Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and I'm here with Chandler Klebs, who will be joining us in about 15 minutes from Lee's Summit, Missouri. Uh, with, this show is about why we don't have free will, and this is actually our 200th episode. Okay, we've been doing this, like, you know, since 2011, and the theme of this show is, like, free will, belief, and happiness. I mean, this is why we're doing this show. Why, why, do, we, why do you think that we, we kind of like want the world to understand that we don't have a free will, that absolutely nothing is up to us? Because to the extent we understand this, we create a much more intelligent, happy, compassionate, productive world. Okay, so um, again, uh, Chandler will join us in about 15 minutes to wrap up the show, but um, let me just go through the, the theme, you know, and then Chandler will just like expand on it, reiterate whatever, you know, um, bring his point in. So, all right, how is this connected to happiness? Well, what, what, um, first of all, I just want to like uh, mention that um, in terms of like free will being an illusion, I mean, this is kind of like something that like our top, our world's top minds understand this. Our world's top minds are probably Charles Darwin, Sigmund Freud, Charles Dar Darwin of evolution, Sigmund Freud of psychology, and Albert Einstein of physics. These three guys all understood and, um, and made statements to the effect that free will is an illusion. They, they understood this. So, like, you know, it's not like this is actually a... Um, an open question. I mean, a lot of people don't understand this. A lot of people don't understand physics or climate change, whatever. So we rely on authorities. But it's actually a lot more basic than that. Uh, before I get into why you know free will belief kind of like limits our happiness and how we can become happier by overcoming this belief, let me just briefly explain to you why we don't have a free will in a way I think that you'll be able to understand because it's going to rely on your own experience. Okay, for the next 15 seconds, I want you to like. Blank your mind out completely. I don't want you to think about anything at all for the next 15 seconds. All right, and, and you, can do, you can do it like starting now, okay? I'm going to be talking, right? And, and you're going to be trying to blank your mind. And, uh, you know, as we get to the end of these 15 seconds, I can guarantee you, you will not have been able to blank your mind completely because you don't have a free will. Because the thoughts, these thoughts that are coming into your mind right now, try as you wish, try as hard as you wish to not have them. They're going to be coming to you, okay? That's the first test. Now, for the next um, five seconds, ten seconds, or whatever, I want you to try to think of nothing but a banana, okay? Just think about banana. I mean, you've got a free will. You say your thoughts are up to you, right? You say you can decide to choose to think whatever you want. For the next ten seconds, think just of a, bana a banana. And again, like in the past test, I'm going to be like talking while you're doing this, while you're trying to do this, and I can guarantee you again that you will not have succeeded at thinking just as a, um, on a banana because you don't have a free will, because whatever thoughts you were thinking while I was talking, while you were trying to think just as a banana, were not up to you. Okay, let's give it uh, another test. Um, this is a test of your experience. I mean, like, can you remember, I mean, like, we all try to be good people, right? I mean, like, we're raised by our parents and by our society to, like, you know, uphold rules and laws and, and all this. And these, this is important to us. We try to be good people. Now, who among us can claim that we're perfect? Who among us can claim that we don't make, like, even small, like, ethical mistakes pretty much on a daily basis? White lies, you know, we kind of, like, we, we, we forget to do the things we should do. We don't do the things we should do. Um, we do the things we shouldn't do. It doesn't have to be major. It could be like minor things. But like, again, if we had a free will, we would be perfect angels. We'd be doing good all the time. The last like, you know, kind of like experience-based 
demonstration that we don't have a free will is, you know, according to decades of research, the, um, when, when subjects in surveys are asked, what is your number one goal in life? The number one answer is always happiness. You know, we are actually hardwired to seek happiness. That's another reason we don't have a free will. We are hardwired, programmed to seek pleasure and avoid pain, okay, to seek happiness. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that um, if we had a free will, we would not have any negative thoughts. You know, our, our happiness is routinely interrupted by thoughts of, of anger, fear, sadness, you know, unpleasant thoughts. Um, even, you know, according to the research again, like, even the happiest people in the world are happy on average about 50% of the time of each day. They're, they're like, they're not happy about 30% of each day, and they're kind of like neutral, neither happy nor unhappy about 20% of each day. So that tells you, come on, if, if you can't choose to be happy, you know, according to your free will, or to be as good as you want according to your free will, if you can't choose to, to keep your mind on one topic, you know, like a banana or one, one image, whatever, you know, or, and if you can't choose to just blank your mind, not, you know, think any thoughts at all, you don't have a free will. All right, that's very clear. Understand. So, like, why does this belief in free will that's been around for a few thousand years uh, create so much harm? Because it pits us against other people and it pits us against ourselves. One example, one of our, our best friends does something that we believe is wrong. May be wrong, may not be, but we believe it's wrong. So the free will belief um, causes us to blame the person, personally blame. You of your free will did this wrong, and then we become angry at the person. That's our best friend, right? And we, become, we start perhaps yelling at the person, and the person becomes defensive, starts yelling at us. We have a fight, and like this, this closeness, this, this friendship is, is, is tested. No longer, you know, like, the, and, and this happens with friends, with family, with, with people we don't know. It happens when we're watching TV and just basically like looking at, at people um, on the, um, whatchamacallit, um, um, you know, political stuff. So, all right, so like basically it pits us against other people. Now, to the extent we understand that we don't have a free will, you know, we would, we would understand, all right, yeah, my friend did something wrong, but I'm not going to like, I'm not, I'm, I may be upset that it, that it happened. I mean, we can blame God, we can blame the universe, you know, we can blame whatever, but we can't logically blame our friend. And to the extent we do that, we might say, all right, you know, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling what you did is wrong now. I can't blame you. Let's, let's say like five, ten years from now, everybody got that nobody has a free will. So the conversation would go, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, um, the universe, God, whatever, is making me feel that you did something wrong. And, and, and I know, you know, you're not personally responsible because you don't have free will. But let's try to figure this out. Let's try to figure out, you know, whether it was wrong or not, how do we address it? So the free will belief... One thing it does is it distracts us from that process of solving problems. We get so caught up in the blame that we never get to the, the problem solving. All right, um, this has implications way beyond the personal. Here in our world, there's about 2 billion people on the planet that live on about $2 a day or less. Uh, kids under five years old um, die of largely preventable causes at a rate of about 30,000 each day. You know, now here's the thing. Now, now how, do you, how, how does free will belief come into this? Okay, basically, a lot of people in these rich countries, like the United States and other rich countries, to the extent we believe in free will, 
we say about those, um, the parents of these kids who are dying every day, we say, well, you know, like they have a free will. They shouldn't be having these kids if they can't afford them or they're just lazy for not working, you know. So that's their fault. And we're not going to help them. We're not, not going to help their kids because they have their free will are not acting responsibly. Okay? That is the harm that, that, that free will belief uh, causes on a global level. There, there's much more to it. Uh, with our criminal justice system, you know, you have these kids, 14-year-olds, right? Like, they live in not-so-good neighborhood, right? And they get into trouble, as most of the kids, or a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of kids in, in those neighborhoods do. You know, why? Well, if you believe in free will, you're going to blame them. You can say, well, you know, some, somebody else didn't get into trouble, so this person should be able to. But you've you got to understand that's not how it works. In other words, like... You know, if we want to solve these kinds of, like, problems of, of juvenile crime, of crime in general, you know, we've got to solve them at the root, which is societal. And if, if we have, like, an unfair society, if we have a, a society that, that gives rewards to certain people at, at 10, 20, 100, 200 times the amount that, that it gives rewards to other people, or just when people don't have enough to subsist, then the crime develops. I mean, this is, this is like, you know, everybody knows. This is not, like, new. So anyway, like, this belief in free will just not only harms us on a um, personal level, it harms us sociologically. It harms us as a planet, it harms us as a people. I'm actually, in a couple episodes, going to do a, an episode on how it actually contributes to this climate change denial. A lot of people are denying that climate change is happening, and free will belief is implicated in that also. So again, like the, the theme is free will, belief, and happiness. It's about, perhaps it's about more, more about minimizing unhappiness, you know, all this unpleasantness, so that we can allow our natural happiness to, um, to emerge. You know, because again, like, to the extent that, like, you know, and, and the other thing is, like, it's not just about other people, it's about ourselves. Um, depression, you know, I think, like, about a quarter of the women, I think maybe over 30 or so, are on antidepressants. You know, a lot of people get depressed. A lot of people commit suicide. Now, why do they do this? A lot of times, well, they feel like they're failures. They feel like they failed at a job or they failed at, at raising a family or they failed in one way or another, and their self-esteem suffers. They believe in free will. They blame themselves for, for not being able to have done whatever, you know, they thought they should have done, they wanted to do. And this self-blame erodes their self-esteem. Now, I did a lot of research on happiness. So basically, there are four personality traits that are most correlated with happiness, and one of them happens to be self-esteem. So as a person's self-esteem erodes, you know, there's, there's self-value, self-worth, they basically become depressed. They feel bad about themselves. And again, that lead, leads to depression. It leads to suicide. It leads to massive health care costs. I mean, if you want to think economically, we're wasting a lot of money, you know, on antidepressants. We could be spending it, you know, like feeding kids and just doing a lot better things that, you know. So anyway, so this free will belief, again, the reason why it's so harmful is because it pits us not only against other people, you know, but it pits us against ourselves. All right, so, and, and, and that's why we're doing the, the show. I mean, like, this is like part of a whole movement. I mean, this, this show started in 2000, January 2011, okay? Uh, we have a Manhattan show that runs every, it runs every, actually every Wednesday at 11 uh, p.m. If you're in Manhattan, you get it. If you're not, you can get it through the Internet. It's Manhattan Neighborhood Network, okay, Channel 56. And we do a live call-in show, I mean, twice a month. We're live, and actually, in about hopefully a month or two, we're going to have we're going to go from half an hour to an hour, and we are going to be um, live that whole time. And we we debate it. Um, we have a meetup every Saturday, um, 550 Madison Avenue in Manhattan, uh, the Sony Building. 
It's a meetup about called Exploring the Illusion of Free Will, same, same title as this show. And we, we basically teach people why we don't have a free will and why it matters. Again, because it's like, it's not just enough to, to understand that we don't have a free will. We have to understand why it's important to know this, why, why we need to, to understand this. And, all right, I just want to like, so what, what else are we doing? All right, my colleagues and I have published several books. We have a podcast actually going. Um, what is it called? Uh, free Will, Science, and Religion. And we tape that, um, like every Saturday and Sunday we do uh, at least an episode. Um, and so they're up on YouTube, they're up, they're up on iTunes. This show is up on iTunes. I haven't like, you know, put up some episodes for a while, but I should do that soon. Um, what else? My, um, I've got two books on this that I, that I wrote. Uh, one of them is called Exploring Illusion of Free Will, second edition. Basically, I took the first 18 episodes of this show and transcribed them and just made them into a book. And then the second book I wrote is called Free Will, Its Refutation, Societal Cost, and Role in Climate Change Denial. And this is where I get into like the, these, um, you know, how this free will belief is not just wrong according to science, according to physics, according to biology, psychology, neuroscience. Um, it's just harmful to society. And I get into like the harm of the blame and the harm of the climate change denial. And again, both of these books, I mean, they're available in hardcover through Amazon, but you can also buy them for like 99 cents, I think, on Kindle. So, you know, they're very, very inexpensive. Um, my colleagues have also published books. Um, so anyway, this is, this is a major kind of initiative, and it's all about happiness. Why would I, I mean, like, all right, it's to a certain extent, it's about truth, all right? Because like you... If you, if you believed that you were Napoleon, for example, you would actually more, be more sane, less delusional than somebody who believes in free will. Because, I mean, for all we know, you could be the reincarnation of Napoleon or something. It, there, is, there is absolutely no way that you or any of us could ever, will ever have a free will. It just defies the laws of nature. It defies logic. As we explained in, in this, you know, earlier, it defies um, our experience. We don't have a free will. Things are not up to us. It'd be nice if there were, because again, if, if things were up to us, we would be very good, completely good, and completely happy all the time. Again, um, our world has a lot of problems, you know, personally, societally, globally. And to the extent that everybody is blaming each other and themselves for all that's wrong, we get distracted from solving the problem. I mean, this is happening with climate change, and, you know, this is happening across the board. So, so that's the theme of this show, just the idea that like, to the extent we understand, and again, like, I didn't go that deeply into explaining why free will is an illusion, but again, there's 199 episodes before this where, or at least a lot of them within that, that um, collection, that we're, we go into the physics, we go into the psychology, the, how the unconscious makes free will impossible, how cause and effect makes, makes free will impossible, how if you think that things are not caused, that also makes free will impossible because you can't blame, you can't assign something that's not a, a cause to a free will. We explain all this. Uh, sometimes it's good to just watch these shows more than once because, you know, this is like a new language you're learning. It's like when you learn math, you have to, like, repeat stuff, you know, the new concepts. You'll get it. And, like, so, again, this is a, a revolution in human thinking. Thanks for watching. We'll be back uh, with other episodes soon. Thanks. Hi, I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm going to be talking about how the belief in free will gets in the way of our happiness and how we can be much happier in life without the negative aspects of believing in free will. First of all, uh, let me talk about, about what I think happiness is, because everybody has a different idea of what happiness is. But generally, I would say that 
we're happy, like we feel joy when we're able to do the things that we want to do. And so here's the, here's the interesting part is that we're happy when we're, when we're pursuing our desires, whether we like um, playing the piano, playing video games, or, or riding a bike, or whatever that may be for you, it might be different. Now here's the interesting thing. A good way of understanding both that we don't have a free will and what um, happiness is, is think about this situation. Now suppose that everyone in the society, they all had to play the piano. They, they were, you know, they were all to told from an early age, well, you have to play the piano and here's the way you got to do it. Or, you know, it could, be, it could be the piano or it could be everyone has to play football. So if it was made mandatory for everyone to play football, for example, well, here's the problem. That would make some people unhappy. Why? Because they don't enjoy playing football or they're just not good at it or they get hurt doing it. You know what I'm saying? So here's the interesting thing. To the extent that people believed in free will, they would blame those people and say, oh, well, you should be happy playing football. It's the, you know, it's what everyone does. You just choose to be happy. Use your free will to choose to be happy. And so here's um, how the belief in free will relates to happiness is that it fits into this myth that happiness is a choice and that it's your responsibility, that you are the source of your ha happiness. And if you would just choose to be happy, then you'd be happy. Whereas, um, I, you know, there are those people out there who, who say that happiness is a choice and that anybody can just be as happy as they want. But most of us, um, that's not been our experience. Um, we're happy when, you know, we're doing what we want and when we're not in pain. And so here's the thing to understand is that, yes, we don't have a free will, and what this means is that we don't choose what our desires are in the first place. We don't choose, you know, what sport or musical instrument or video game we like more than another, or what foods taste better to us or another. However, th there is no conflict between happiness and and determinism, uh, you know, um, or indeterminism, as the case may be, because happiness can exist. Being happy, feeling good about your life in general, which is what we all want, um, that can exist in a deterministic world. You know, something causes you to be happy, you find out what causes it, and you do more of it. Um, and of course, in an indeterministic world, yeah, you'd be happy, but you wouldn't know why, because it would be happy, you'd be happy for no reason. However, while determinism and indeterminism, also known as causality and a-causality, don't conflict with happiness because you can be happy no matter whether it's caused or uncaused. You can't have a free will whether things are caused or uncaused because your, your desire, you were caused to have the desires you do, most likely genetics and some of its environment, the way you're raised. Um, or your desires would have to be random. And if you had random desires like that were just happening for no reason, like for no for no reason whatsoever you desire to bang yourself your head against the wall and 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 that makes you happy well you know sure 
you would you'd be happy, <laughs> you know, if you're the kind of person who um, was determined um, to to get you know to get your pleasure out of banging your head against the wall that make you happy. But nonetheless, even in that scenario, you would not be choosing your happiness. You would not be choosing those desires if they were a causal. And if they're causal, you can't choose them either because there's an infinite regress there. There's a cause for a cause. So all this is to say that basically, yes, um, we don't require a free will to be happy. And to the extent that we understand that we don't have a free will, that we're not truly the author, we're not morally responsible for our, how happy we are, um, that then I think we'll actually be happier because we will be doing our desires without this extra guilt. Like, well, you know, you enjoy doing this thing, but you feel guilty um, because somebody else, for example, tells you, you know, you shouldn't be having fun. You shouldn't be doing this thing you enjoy. You should be working. You should be doing something productive with your time. And so people put all these external pressures on us and tell us what we ought to do or, or, ought, or ought not to do. But see, the whole point is, you know, people, they get it and stuck into the cycle of blaming themselves for for doing things when they're not happy they figure well it must be my fault that i'm doing something wrong and if i would just use my free will to choose to be happy so here's the point is happiness isn't really a choice and yet people can increase their happiness um you know some people can not everyone can because obviously you know you have to not be in severe pain you have to not have to not be starving to death or something like that but generally everyone can um, maintain a certain level of happiness as long as their basic needs are met and here's the important thing your living situation whether you have a roof over your head and food to eat and all that stuff that's going to play a big part in determining how happy you are so naturally you can see that how happy you are isn't up to you that's the key issue and that that but there will be people who will say well but it's up to you to choose to work your job and earn your money and pay your rent and bills and buy your food well and that's the way society works but here's the deal not everybody's in the same situation not everybody can work a job some are disabled they don't get to choose how intelligent they are how talented they are what the job opportunities are in their area so here's the deal there's this complex interaction between the fact that we don't choose what our desires and what our needs are anyway similarly we don't choose the situation that we're in that determines in what way we go about following our desires and, and getting our basic needs met so here's the deal. This isn't some kind of fa fair playing field where everybody has equal opportunity and where one person did it so anybody can do it. No. We all got to do the best we can. And you know what? That's what it's really about. We all do the best we can, you know, in any given situation. There's no such thing as better than our best. There's no could have done otherwise. Like, well, you could have done this. You could have done this differently and that would have made your life so much easier 
And then the person gets to thinking, oh, you're right, I could have done this and I didn't do that. I'm a bad person because I didn't choose to do the right thing. But wait a minute. At that time, maybe you didn't know that that was something you could do. And because you didn't know that that was an option, you couldn't have done it. So that's the thing is basically um, understanding that we don't have a free will um, makes us happier because it's, this isn't just some abstract, philosophical, irrelevant thing that has no practical application to our daily lives. Rather, it's extremely important because what this means is that you will remove so much um, baggage, so much guilt and shame, feeling like you're a bad person because of mistakes you've made in the past. Because here's the deal, yeah. Um, at, if, As my friend George said, if we were really the authors of, of our choices, I'm not sure how you make sense of that, wouldn't we be perfect angels all the time, you know? Wouldn't we be always doing the best thing? Wouldn't we always be doing the right thing? We'd never make mistakes. And so, in a sense, belief in free will is a belief in perfectionism, the belief that we can be perfect, that we should be perfect, but our experience suggests otherwise. Hey, I would like it. I would like it if we could just all be perfect and always do the best thing that makes us happy, makes others happy. I wish that were the case, but it's not. And to the extent that we realize we aren't perfect and we can't be perfect, we will focus not on what's perfect, but what is good. So we can realize, yeah, there's good in our lives and we should enjoy the good without, you know, feeling like a failure because we're not perfect. We don't want to feel like a failure because when you feel like a failure or like you're a bad person because you chose to do the wrong thing, you might get depressed. You might get suicidal. And so it might actually save people a lot of money. Think about it. Um, they might need fewer antidepressants. They, they, might need, uh, they might need a lot less other things in their life. They might be less likely to turn to drugs and alcoholism if they didn't have the shame and guilt and the feeling like a failure that led to those negative emotions in the first place. So in, in a sense, by spreading the message that we don't have free will, we can reduce alcoholism, drug use, depression, uh, suicide. So it's basically a way of saving lives by making people happier by removing the negative emotions that can only come from free will belief. Sure, there's still sadness that happens in this life anyway, but a lot of it can be eliminated by simply realizing, wait, free will is an illusion. We're not really the choosers. We're not the authors of our own destiny, and that's okay because we can still find a meaning in our life even though we're not the author of that meaning or happiness in our life. So anyway, I hope that you understand all that and thank you very much for listening to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will with uh, George Ortega and Chandler Klebs. And maybe you'll get the idea of why this message is so important and why we're telling people they don't have a free will. So thank you for listening and goodbye.